see you this morning. Just social distance, high five somebody. Say you're looking better than the last time I seen you. Amen. Tell them you're looking stronger. Tell them that the word is working on your nervous system. <laughs> it's working, it's fixing your bones, it's fixing your muscles, it's fixing your sinews, your tissues, your organs, your eyesight, your hearing, your heart is pumping stronger. Oh, come on, bless the Lord this morning. Oh, I just feel like praising Him this morning. Hallelujah. 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 Come on. If you're online, just clap your hands. If you can use your fingers, type something. Let us see that you're alive this morning. I don't know about you, but I can't take life for granted anymore. To get up in the morning and to, after prayers, get up, sit in Brian's praying yesterday morning and I said, Lord, anoint him. And out of that, I've got to go and take a walk. And you are praying for one foot in front of the next. That you don't stumble. Are uh, you... you Someone, you're not doing God right this morning. I'm telling you, somebody. When you can't. I drove my own car. Ah, oh, but that's normal for me. Yeah, but you ain't been what I've been through. You've not been through what I've been through. Sometimes people rejoice just because they can comb their own hair. Oh, come on, somebody. When they say, ah, but I comb my hair every day. You say, no, but you've not been through what I've been through. Somebody is standing here this morning. They shouldn't be here. And they're thinking it's normal. Ah, but I come to church every week. No, I just made it this morning. Can somebody praise the Lord? I never want to look at someone else's weakness ever, ever again and say, you don't know what people have been through, man. Can we have a little bit of compassion? No wonder the Lord told us this year, Micah, love justice. justly, love mercy and walk humbly that is the word lots happening across the globe other ministries and different fights that are happening, ain't got time for that, got to thank the Lord for this moment that I'm alive let's get into the word, you may be seated God bless you, good to have you online Glory be to God. Please bring me that. Let's, let's get into this message this morning. Hallelujah. The title of my sermon this morning is Altars and the Kingdom. Altars and the Kingdom. 
And by the way, thank you so much for your gifts, your love, your honorariums, your, the financial gifts, the blessing that has come. And out of it came a new computer for me. So I appreciate you so much. Bye, For all your love. For all your love. We're teaching on altars. And there is a generation that is facing a kind of stuff that our parents never faced. And even when I grew up, I'm like, I feel, you know, sometimes like, God, how is this generation going to cope? And yesterday, this is the word the Lord gave, gave to me. It's in Isaiah chapter 59. Isaiah chapter 59 and... Let's go from verse 15 quickly. So truth fails. Watch this generation. And he who departs from evil makes himself pray. Then the Lord saw it. And it displeased him that there was no justice. For this generation, for our children, it's unfair on so many levels. It's unfair. That they have to grow up without parents, no understanding, education, money, opportunity. And nobody's crying for justice for this generation. You see? And he saw that there was no man and wondered that there was no intercessor. Therefore, his own arm brought him salvation for him and his own righteousness it sustained him for he put on righteousness as a breastplate for who's he it's a capital he that's God himself who had to come down and be the intercessor that stands between heaven and earth to stop people from going to hell standing between the living and the dead and bringing justice to a generation so while I was saying, God, by this generation, the Lord gave, gives me this word for you. And he says, a helmet of salvation on his head. He put on the garments of vengeance for clothing and was clad with zeal as a cloak. According to their deeds, according, accordingly he will repay fury to his adversaries. It is the year of recompense. Recompense to his enemies. The coastlands will fully, will fully repay. Here's your scripture. So they shall fear the name of the Lord from the west and his glory from the rising of the sun when the enemy comes in like a flood. The spirit of the Lord will lift up a standard against him. That means that there's a generation that we must lift up a standard in the church that's going to bring deliverance and justice and a breakthrough because when the enemy comes in like a flood even in the natural in KwaZulu God must raise up a standard against him are you hearing me? now please listen to what I'm saying there is no competition between God and the devil God's problem was not the devil did you read the scripture? He said he had no intercessor. And the devil was doing his thing. 
It's not like God had to raise his power. God, when he says he's raising a standard, it's not that he's giving you more power. You've got all the power you need. Because there's no... You understand that the devil has been... All his teeth has been taken out, right? You, you, you get what I'm saying? He, the power that the enemy has, we gave him. Can I tell you that the Lord told me, son, what you're suffering under is you opened up your mouth and you opened the door when the devil came knocking. You signed for a parcel that wasn't yours. <laughs> you should have told him wrong address. And the problem is that when you open up a door to the enemy, he comes in and he don't stop until he wants to take everything. And you have to repent. What does God do? He raises up a standard. So, Know that the enemy is a defeated foe. Everybody shout a good hallelujah. Let's start in the place that he's got no power over you because the Bible says he's given you the power Jesus did over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means hurt you or harm you. I'm suffering under my own foolishness. I should have just shut my mouth. <laughs> I'll teach on that on the new platform we're creating for you called Kingdom Keys. So you can unlock health, wholeness, wealth, family, your destiny. Come on, somebody. We're busy building platforms so you can be trained and you can be developed. What, is, what are we doing? What are we doing? What are we doing? Listen to me. When God says He's lifting up the stand, the Spirit of the Lord is raising up the standard. It's not just giving you more power. The power's been there all along. What's he doing? He's giving you greater understanding. So the revelation you get is the standard that he lifts up. You used to go to church all your life. And you just used to go and it was, well, at least I went to church. Acts tells you that the Lord says, those days of you walking and worshiping in ignorance to an unknown God. He says, God's not accepting that anymore. Not because God is trying to be judgmental. It's because the children are in trouble. You better raise up the right standard in your home because you need to understand that the, 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 the standard that God raised, He brought for Himself, means that He put the church in place. That's the standard. But the question is, how much do we really understand about what Jesus did and the altar? So I'm going to give you a quick understanding about why you need to understand an altar this morning. Can we go there? I, I know that, you know, some people have come to church for entertainment. You've come here to learn and understand. Because when you have understanding, when that devil comes knocking tomorrow and says, what pastor had, you're going to get, you can say, food sack. Affliction will not arise a second time. No, 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 no. We're in the Word of God. And I'm telling you now, the devil's got to back off. Don't you let the devil come and mess with your children and your destiny. All you need is to get understanding. Lift the standard. Lift, lift your understanding. 
all this thing made me do was go deeper in the word of God. And I am angry. I am telling you, there's a, there's a fire inside of me that's burning, that wants this generation to rise up with an understanding that's going to know I'm not backing down. I'm not going to serve at your altar the way my mother and my father did. I want my stuff. God must help me keep understanding this morning. There's plenty going on. Let's quickly go. Let's quickly go. Seven things you must understand about an altar. Quickly, give me that seven things. Now, let's be clear what altars are before we go there. Altars are everywhere across the globe. Watch now. They're everywhere. Right now, in Islam, they're fasting. They have an altar. Are you with me? Altars are everywhere. It's not just you. Everybody is serving at an altar if they are connected. Or they're suffering under it if they're just hovering over it. Near, nearby. Are you getting it? But there's nobody that's not touched by an altar. An altar is a place, it's a portal. It's a place that connects the spiritual realm with earth. And so altars become really important. If you study throughout the Bible, and I've been studying altars now, and I'm like, we, I, I want to put it in the past tense. We were in trouble. We were recovering and restoring the altar. And worship the way it should be. Because there's a generation that's in trouble. And the answer is not found in education. The answer is found at the altar. I'm going to wait for a parent to say amen in this church. Stop telling your children that there's an answer outside of the altar of God for their lives. The standard that God raised up is the, is the altar. Stop ignoring it and stop walking in ignorance. Because the altar, A-R, altars, E-R-U, and your destiny. It's at the altar you get altered that you can change your history and fix your destiny. It's all at the altar. Come on, somebody. Give Jesus a praise. So an altar, it's so easy to know what somebody believes in. And what altar they go to when they open up their mouths. Ah. Quickly, seven things for altars. Here's some keys. Number one, an altar, they must, there's a physical structure. There's a temple, there's a, there's a, there is a, a mosque, there is a, um, um, a, a Jewish synagogue. People go to a structure. There is a place. It is an altar. Actually, there is a place. Now, please hear me. You're not talking about your personal altar. I'm talking about the church. I'm talking about the standard that God raised. Is His church. So, a place in the earth somewhere. A church is built. A tent is up somewhere. And in there is a place where a structure is where people can come into. Too much to teach on that. Let me, let me say this to you. When you 
when you, when you connect to an altar, the altar restructures your life. It restructured my life. I said, you must, you mean to me, I must now, I can never go out on a Saturday night anymore. No. I'm going to preach every Sunday. Yeah. And my weekend's off. Not going to happen. Do you want the call? I had to restructure my life around the altar. Because I'm called here. Somebody's hearing me. So there's a service around the altar. There's a structure around the altar. So you need to understand, there is a place that must be cleaned and maintained. And you need some power. I mean a generator. If ESCOM's not available, you know what I mean? But there's a structure. We must maintain lights. Things must happen around here. We must maintain the structures. Number two, there's a sacrifice. In fact, the altar is also, another name it is called a place of slaughter. A place of sacrifice where you bring in people sacrifice their gifts, their time, their talent, money. Um, it's more than that. You sacrifice your pride. Because you come to an altar because you're looking for something else that's on there. It's worship. What does worship do? It's an exchange. Everybody worships. Altars are everywhere and everybody worships. The question is, what are you worshiping? I worshiped greed. I, I, because of poverty, I just wanted money. So I attended the race course meetings every Saturday. I structured my life around the race course. Saturday mornings, you knew where he was. Where's your husband? Ah, you know where he is. I sacrificed my time, my mind, my money, my studying, all around gambling because I worshipped at the race course. Huh? What else did I sacrifice? My family. I put them on the altar. Everybody worships. Some of you are worshipping your education. You gave your time, your money, your mind. Everybody worships. Everybody's at an altar. You won't miss it. I mean, have you watched them gather? 60,000 people. Twice a week. Filling a stadium. We're the red devils. We're the red devils. And they worship. When they score a goal. I mean, you lose twice in one week. But you're still worshiping. You're buying their stuff. You're going and you're sacrificing your time, your family, your home, and you're worshiping. Surya, don't tell me I say, I say stale jokes. I heard you on my honorarium about Man United. Sorry, it was that week for them, so I just had to throw in something. The point about, about uh, the reason why you worship at education, people do it for pleasure. People do it for, for greed, for, for things. Everybody worships. What are they doing? You go and you worship. In worship, you exchange something. I give you something and I get something better in return. So you get elevated. Remember the woman that came with her two sons and worshipped Jesus? She fell at his feet and worshipped him. And Jesus asked, what do you want? Why? Because worship gives you an exchange. She says, well, give my two sons a seat on your left and your right and let them sit in your kingdom. Be 
because every place you go and worship, the reason why you go to your company and all that, it's an exchange of your time and your gifts and your talents because you're looking for a promotion. The reason why you spend so much time, though, is because you're looking for, and it, it's an altar. It gives you elevation. So here's your scripture. I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. It's a place where the tribes go up. Somebody's just being elevated in this place of worship this morning because every place of worship brings elevation. Somebody shouted, Amen. That's good preaching. Don't you fool yourself. I, I, I know why I do what I do. Let me tell you, Bill Winston Ministries, it's a decade now. The Lord spoke to me and said, personally, I wasn't even on the board with Bill Winston at the time. He said, son, you, I want you to go and raise an altar. Dr. Winston was going to a church, 200 people here, 200 there, there. And when he leaves, just Joburg, Cape Town, and he's, he's tired. And so God says, instead of him going there, why don't you create an altar? And you make the sacrifice. And you bring your time. And you bring your money. And take him to Santon and lift an altar. I don't know if Santon is still the richest square mile in Africa. There's a lot that's happening. But raise an altar right there where Babylon thinks they rule. And let him preach the word from there. Because you take your money, you take your time, you take your team. We take our day. This is the week that is happening this week. Many are serving this week in Dr. Winston's conference. We have a partners here on Thursday. So we're taking time off. The, whole, the people took time off this week to worship and to do. And they, we've set everything up for him. We've raised an altar. <laughs> Structure. Our sacrifices. Our worship was in there. And what it does is. It brings elevation. We poured water. Remember that he poured water around the sacrifice? What was the scarcity? There was a drought. We, had, we didn't even have the money. We had to stand by faith. Because God wanted it done. You think when you walk in here that you're so smart and your business is coming together. You're walking in the overflow of what happened on that altar. The elevation in business for every businessman and woman is because there was an altar, a standard was raised. My brother, I was a gambler. I don't put my money on a stupid horse. <laughs> I weighed this thing up for 18 months before I said yes. I never had it all together, but when I stood and understood the power of God's word and what he can do for me, you know, fool, to give up what you have, to get what you could never ever get in your life. It's called worship. It's an exchange that takes place. Is somebody going to worship the Lord this morning? Don't be a fool around the altar. Don't be a fool. Don't be a fool. You've come here for a reason. You never came here for cookies and co-sisters. 
Number five is belief. I need to preach. Oh, Lord. You reinforce your belief systems. I'll, I'll preach about that. Number six, there's a value system. You begin to understand that I take the value system that I had before around gambling and I let go of it and I pick up God's value system for how to progress in life. So there's an exchange that takes place. So we teach on it. We reinforce your beliefs. Everybody does it. Don't you ever kid yourself that anybody outside in the world is not worshiping at some place, not looking for an elevation or a promotion. And they will reinforce their system because they believe it's going to give them something in return. People are not doing just things for because. You get involved in that business because you believe in that there's some return. And everybody said, Oh, Aina. Number seven is culture. It creates a kind of culture that I want to touch on this morning. Oh, Lord, I've got so much to teach. You're going to help me. Okay. You've got these seven things. You understand that. So, for this generation, I, my message is, is the altars and the kingdom. Satan's biggest stronghold is religion. I hate religion. Because it's got all those things in place. It gives you a form of godliness. But there's no power. I hate what religion did to me. And is even trying to do to this generation. Because there's been no understanding about an altar. So you come to church and you made a tick and I just like, you look good for church, but you got no understanding. That ends today. I said that ends today. The Holy Ghost help me. Even my computer you saw. Okay. What I'm going to give you this morning is to show you how simple the altar is. And how altars move and what happens. And this is not complicated when you come to Jesus. There's a lot of rules when you go to, I've studied Scientology and Hubbard. And I'm ahead of myself. Let me, let me just get into this quickly. Luke chapter 11 verse 14. And he was casting out a demon. And it was mute. So it was when the demon had gone out, that the mute spoke and the multitudes marveled. But some of them said, he casts out demons by Beelzebub. He's using Satan's power to cast out Satan from somebody. How stupid. He casts out demons by Beelzebub, the ruler of the demons. Others testing him sought from him and a sign from heaven. Are you really from God? So show us a sign. But you know, in their thoughts said to them, every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation. And a house divided against a house falls. So one can't support Manu and the other one Arsenal. You get what I'm saying? Look, you'll never walk alone. I mean, you hear, so you'll never walk alone. If Satan also is divided against himself, now that is just sense. He's got power and he's keeping this man mute. Jesus delivers the man. 
How will his kingdom stand if he is then dividing himself and they're fighting amongst themselves? There's unity in the kingdom of darkness, yo. They ordered the chaos they're creating when they attack a man of God. This buildup was years coming on for that moment to attack me on every level. Because he can't attack you willy-nilly. He's got to check the timing of everything and build up to a place. Because he's not all-powerful and he's not also everywhere. So he can't, he, he, when he tempts you, temptation lasts only for a season, then he's gone. But you need to be armed. So he's saying that they, they, they're not divided. But the church is divided. How is it all the different religions are fighting for different things? I'm not even talking about other religions. I'm talking about just the church. Should we not at least be all on the same page with an altar in every house? If Satan also is divided against himself, how will his house, how will his kingdom stand? Because you say, I cast out demons by Beelzebub. And if I cast out demons by Beelzebub, by whom do your sons cast them out? <laughs> oh, Jesus is so smart. Therefore, they will be your judges. But if I cast out demons with the finger of God, oh, the finger of God's going to move here this morning. Surely, we're dealing with a greater power than Beelzebub. Because the finger of God is on your life. So if what you put on me stays on me and I can't get out of it, then your power is great. But if there's a, a greater power called the finger of God that they put on a person, surely the kingdom comes then with power. He says the word, the kingdom of God doesn't only come in word, it comes with power. So I want to speak about altars and the kingdom of God. Surely the kingdom of God has come upon you. Keep on going. When a strong man fully armed guards his own palace, his goods are in peace. But when a stronger than he comes upon him and overcomes him, he takes from him all his armor in which he trusted and divides his spoils. So if Satan is claiming that he's the God of this world, and the one who is stronger is Jesus himself, and Satan says he is the God of mammon, he's the He's, he owns the money and he owns the gold and, and, and. Why is it still in his hands if the greater one is on the inside of you? Is he not the stronger? Are you not sure if the kingdom is stronger? You're not sure if Jesus is stronger? How come he's sitting with all the job opportunities and controlling people's lives? Is he the stronger? Then why is it that we're not experiencing the kingdom is because we were not taught about altars and the kingdom. Because the earth is the Lord's and all its fullness, gold, silver, diamonds, oil, whatever, whatever you need, it's in there. Even your husband or your wife, come on, your, your spouse is somewhere across the globe and we can call him or her in amen. We should be having a power from the kingdom that gets a son and a daughter to walk into any place and deal with anything because they are sent somewhere across the globe. But you don't get sent by yourself. You get sent.
from the altar. So watch. The problem with most people is then what the challenge that we're having is that why are we not seeing the sons occupy until Jesus comes somewhere across the globe? Your gift and your business belong somewhere here, man. You are located somewhere and, and you were supposed to make a difference somewhere across the globe. But there are things that are hindering you from getting there. And so sometimes before you go into your destiny, you've just got to make sure and understand what's holding you back. History. So Jesus, it's very significant that before he gets onto the cross to go into his destiny, he has got to go into a place in Mark chapter 11 and verse 15 called the temple. And what does he do in the temple? So they came to Jerusalem, then Jesus went into the temple and he began to drive out those who bought and sold in the temple. A structure. An altar. And overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold doves. Now you know what they're talking about there. People had, you had to bring your dove because you had sinned. So you bring a dove and, the, and the, those in the seats, they inspect the dove. It must be pure. It must be blameless. It must be without blemish. They take it. Say, sorry, there's a problem with this dove. But we have one that is pure. And they take it to the back and they bring back another dove and they say, but you have to pay for this one again. That was money changes. So your sacrifice, you paid for twice. You getting it? Jesus overthrew those tables. Because you're stopping them from coming in to get the exchange they're looking for in worshiping me. And he wouldn't allow anyone to carry wares through the temple. Then he thought, saying to them, is it not written, my house shall be called a house of prayer for all nations, for everybody. But you've made it a den of thieves. So, they got mad at him because of that. But now let's have a look at, I want to show you something, Holy Ghost, you have to help me. Because you first have to cleanse what is wrong before you can build what is right. So he went to go and pull down, let me, let me get into the picture of what, of what these four, put me the first picture, bring me the first picture of what I want to do. The, the pillars, when you speak about Jesus who goes into the temple and overthrows the table, the four pillars that holds up and supports the idea. I'm not just talking about the altar. I am talking about every organization, every place where you're finding spirits connecting with people in the earth. There's a physical place called the altar. Watch now. The idea of what they are pushing for is in there as well. Everybody's got their own idea. Every religion believes that they have an answer to heaven, to life, to health, to finances, for your children. For your, they're pushing an idea. Everyone's got an identity. So you'll know a, a Muslim with, by, you know, or the woman, the way they dress, the garb. You can, the fez for a Jewish person. You will know when they come knocking on the door. JWs are here. They have an identity. 
everybody's got it. And everybody's got a history. Now stay with me. I've taken a lot of time to develop this for you to understand. Because when I need to go to the past and deal with how the temples were all made or how everybody started worshipping, but you can have false worship and an idol and it could not be God. The story goes about a young man. Let me get into this thing quickly. Solomon's temple was the most magnificent thing ever built. Temple built. Solomon at the end of his life goes, brings in other women, mixes the spirit that God wanted done with other spirits. That's why, you know, getting married to who you are married, you're mixing spirits. And he gets this other woman and it becomes an abomination in God's eyes. And God then says, I'm take, dividing the kingdom. So there's 12 nations. And he takes away the kingdoms and he's giving it to this guy called Jeroboam, the king. So the king, he gets 11, but he leaves, he leaves one with, with Solomon for David's sake because they, that was David's son. So he leaves that there. And what Jeroboam does, he changes everything about how worship should be done. Instead of Jerusalem is the place that was kept, the one that was left for David. He's afraid that all of his people and his 11 kingdoms must go once a year to Jerusalem to go and worship, to, to pay homage to. And he's concerned that they're going to go and take, the people will stay there and then get connected to that kingdom. That kingdom got divided, right? So he instead goes and builds altars all around a place of convenience for his people and he doesn't send them back to Jerusalem. Out of fear and convenience, he builds this. And he puts himself as high priest. Look how damning this thing is. His name is Jeroboam. I don't have time for the story this morning. I need to get to something this morning that's important for a young child this morning. And what he does out of there, he creates his worship. He, he appoints his own people that are not even priests to serve at the temple, to serve around the altar. And so he builds this and he keeps this altars in place. And all of this, God never ordered. It looks like worship. It's got a form of godliness, but there's no power. And in the eyes of God, it's an abomination. He takes, he keeps the structure. Well, he starts to build new altars. So this is a structure. He takes the idea, I'm making it convenient for you. I hope somebody's hearing how the World Wide Web is trying to make it convenient. They're raising new altars. Giving you a heads up. Where we connected through the cross, they only want to connect you through the World Wide Web. They're looking to give this generation a new identity. And they're trying to wipe away the history about your family and where you come from and who you really are. So, ah, you either, you know, you don't have to say male, female, just put an X identity they are creating new altars and places of worship so you never have to leave your home you sit by that computer and you go and you go to the structure that's here and they feed you because every altar produces a kind of spirit let's go into the story first kings 13 1 and 2 a, a prophet comes into this place and behold a man of god went from judah to bethel by the word of the lord 
and Jeroboam, who now created all these altars and places of convenience, he stood by the altar to burn incense. He's most Jeroboam, I'm the boss, I'm the king, I do it my way. He cried out, so this man of God goes and he stands at that altar. He cried out against the altar by the word of the Lord and said, O altar, altar. Thus says the Lord, Behold, a child, a young one is going to get a breakthrough here in this place. That's what I'm telling you. And his name is Josiah, by name, shall be born to the house of David and on you ye shall sacrifice the priests of the high places so remember when you're building a place of worship there's an idea we got a religion it's an idea the idea is the high place it is the high thought that they elevate so Scientology would be Hubbard they lift up his name and they believe when he died, they, they went and bought him a house because he told him he's coming back. They worship at that altar every day. They sell books around it. They buy, bring people into that religion. You must leave your family and everybody's selling the idea. And they worship at an altar. And their identity is because they are Scientologists. They've got their own emblem or their own mask or whatever they do. And they have a history and they go and they teach you and all that and their promise is there are levels to promotion when you come into that place every altar is the same every place of worship is the same so when he comes in there this man of god says listen to me behold a child josiah by name shall be born to the house of david and on you he's not prop he's not speaking to the man who raised the altar he's speaking to the altar he says on you he shall sacrifice the priests who are pretending around this altar to be priests of the high places who burn incense on you and men's bones shall be burned on you. So he prophesies and he leaves. But let's watch this. 360 years pass and that altar still remains and the people are still doing the same thing. 300 Jeroboam dies after that. That tells you that the priests can die, but his idea can remain. An altar can be raised in one generation, and it can stay in place, and you keep on going back to that altar. You don't even know how it was raised, what the history was of it, but you keep on going back to that place, and you have no understanding. Because the power of an altar can remain for generations. You should be questioning what I believe here. What do we stand for? What is it that we are preaching? Where do I come from? Who am I submitted to? You should be, you should be asking my history of why this church exists. My identity. What do I believe in? What's the big idea of coming to Kingdom Life Embassy? Why would you come to this altar? Let's get into 360 years later. Second Chronicles 34. One and two. Don't you forget the structure I gave you. Those four things are critical that Jesus threw over. 
One is the altar, two is the idea, three is the identity, and four is the history. Everyone's got it. And you better be clear about yours. Josiah was eight years old. Huh? 360 years later, I don't know, God did some supernatural thing over this boy's life. When he became a king, and he reigned 31 years in Jerusalem. And he did what was right in the sight of the Lord. And walked in the ways of his father David. His father wasn't David. This boy his father was a bad father. His name was Ammon. His grandfather was Manasseh. His great-grandfather was Hezekiah. But he never followed their example. He went all the way to the way David worshipped. And he's called as David. He's following David's example. So it means you can honor your father and your mother, but don't follow the example. My dad and I had that agreement. When he died, he said, son, if I knew what you knew, I would worship God differently. So he was saying to me, my example was bad in some places. But I never stopped honoring. I buried my father. And I loved him so much and I still do. So you don't have to dishonor somebody. But you can walk away from the example. And say, this altar He did what was right in the sight of the Lord and walked in the ways of his father David. He did not turn aside to the right hand or to the left. Young man, are you listening to me? You can understand all this even at the age of eight. And he did what was right. Did I still, is that it? Okay, there we go. The interesting thing, thing about it is the difference between a child and a king. Because child's an imitator. A king is an initiator. You better raise up your children when they come to the altar as kings, not just as children. Because they just keep on following people even the wrong way. A king comes because with the word of the king is there's power. When I stand and you raise up kings, you put your children, your sons, your daughters, you say, you, I questioned everything that was at that altar of the churches I grew up at. I questioned my mother and my father them. Why must we only eat pickle? I don't even eat fish. Why must I eat pickle fish on a Friday? Honestly, I had hot cross buns and I had the onions that they made. That was my Friday meal for a long time until I said, I'm not living like this anymore. Because they initiate stuff and you're imitating them. You don't even know why you're doing what you're doing, but because someone else did it. You're not a king, you're just a child. You're 75 years old and just following what everybody else has done. You must be understanding that when you come into the kingdom of God and you come to the altar of God, the first thing that God does with your identity, He makes you a king. He, come on, somebody. He makes you a ruler. God's idea rules in the earth. It's called the Don't let your children just, no, I, why did you do it? No, because he did it. Let them think for themselves. I'm the one in the school that says, can I ask a question, please? Are you asking questions? And I know some of you are because you're checking me out. But I'm checking you out also.
You've got to teach your children to think like kids. Because at the altar, there's something that you need to know that Jesus overthrew those tables. Let's get into Josiah quickly. Let me just, what he did. Let me show you. You saw the picture of the four things? You got it, right? Let's see what he did. He had to go to all four places. This is good preaching this morning. Watch. Second Chronicles chapter 34, verse 3. For in the eighth year of his reign, so he was eight years old, eight and eight, 16 years old. He is now falling hard after God. 16 years old, young man. There's a desire in this house here this morning, I'm telling you. For in the eighth year of his reign, while he was still young, he began to seek the God of his father, David. And in the twelfth year, he began to purge Judah and Jerusalem of the high places. What is the high places? The idea that Jeroboam had. It's a high place. No, 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 you must light the candle at 12 o'clock. Whose idea was that? It's going to keep demons away. Why are you awake at 12 o'clock? You should be sleeping. He began to purge Judah and Jerusalem. Number one, high places. The idea. Number two, come and read with me. Wooden images. That's the identity. I don't know what you've been looking for. Some of you only wear purple socks. Jesus is going to help this apostle this morning. Carved images. I hope you don't have something that you go and have under your bed. So no tokolosh can come under the bed. Because people believe in this rubbish. You know, there's this thing that people can come tell me that the owls are really, if you see an owl, you must know it's bad luck. And something's going to happen to you. I'm like, Satan's got no power. So he's going to present something to you. And when you get afraid, he comes in and he torments you. He uses your own power against you. Not because he's got the power, but because you open up the door. It's an image. So when somebody said, oh, I see this owl flying. I said, don't take the bait, man. It's, a, it's under your feet. And so, you know, the other day in my house, a praying mantis was in there. I said, shouldn't we be saying that this house is really prayerful? You, 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 you people are playing with the cross, man. You're playing with the power of God. You're playing with what Jesus did for you. You're messing around with little images and rubbish that should be under your feet. So much power to the devil. What about the power of the cross, man? What about the blood that was shed for you, man? What about the victory that came out of the cross, man? What about the anointing that comes from the altar of a living God? What about God's idea? You're reading tarot cards and the owl represents this and you're studying all of New Age rubbish. And you know nothing about your history of your God. 
You have nothing about your identity of who you are in Christ. Put up my second slide. Let me show you what, it, what I'm talking about. We'll come back here. When you come into the kingdom of God, what's the big idea? Everybody shout it. You don't know yet? The idea was not to be here, just say, get saved. And change your identity. Your identity is in the sun. Your history is you don't come from an ape. Evolution. It's the new thing that they're bringing in. It's called transhumanism on computers looking like people and, and, and. They're building a new way of worship. I told you that. I told you that today. They're trying to wipe away the history of your children and family and structure and what family stands for and your identity and the history. And anybody that's religious, when you look at history and you talk about why they can't go into their destiny in the kingdom of God, they go so far back on the altars about what, who grandfather did and, and, and. That was not your history when you came into the kingdom of God. Your history is... They said, then teach us how to pray. What did he say? Your history is your father. You heard it from the altar this morning. I, I got so excited. You started, started singing, I am. Your father's name is I am. Moses said, who shall I say send me? He said, say I am. Because I am whatever you want me to be. You want me to be prosperity? I am. You want me to be your healer? You are, you are in the I am. This altar is so simple. Because every altar releases the Spirit. So what do you have when you come here? Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Your God is three in one. That's all you came here for. So my history, when you tell me that, no, but so tell me about your history and your family and their background, and, 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 and I'm like, no, they were all healthy, man. Yeah, I had, my, my big brother died. But he died on the cross and he shed his blood. They, they wanted to take his life, but he rather gave his life. And the blood was shed for me. And I am healed. I am anointed. I am whole. I am rich. I am blessed. I am walking in victory. Come on, somebody. It's coming from the altar. <laughs> Let the devil go to hell and take his chain with him. You didn't just get saved for saved sake. If you, if God wanted you saved, or He wanted you in heaven, He would have made you there. He made you in the earth so that you can occupy a place in the earth with the kingdom idea on the inside of you. That when you walk into the company tomorrow morning and somebody's demon possessed them, let the finger of God come upon that place. Sir. Because from this altar came the power, has the understanding that I am anointed. Somebody shout an amen. Josiah was a king. Not somebody who attended church. The idea here is the kingdom. You were supposed to take your gift. 
and somewhere in the earth manifested. You see, in this house, our belief system is that God is three in one. We believe in the Holy Church. We believe in the saints' communion. We also believe that everybody in this place is gifted and anointed. We believe that everybody in this place has a place to occupy somewhere in media, in arts and entertainment, in education, in business, in government, and even at the altar. There are preachers in this place. There are teachers in this place. This is the altar of a living God and everybody shouts an amen. I need to end. Time's up. Go back to my scripture. At least you know who you are this morning. It's not complicated. You come in here because of Christ. And He must be lifted up. You were translated out of the kingdom of darkness. And this kingdom has got greater power than the kingdom that of the world. And you can walk into any place sir, and say, Beelzebub or Bell's palsy. You've got to leave in the name of Jesus. Here's your cleansing. They broke down the altars of the Baals in His presence. Listen to me, young boy, 8 years old, 16 years old, 20 years old. Question every altar. The altar sets your spiritual DNA. The reason why so many people are confused is they run from that altar. I don't like it. I go to the next altar. I wait for conferences. I like the prophecies. That's why you're not growing up. That's why you think like a little child and not like a king. You're supposed to make up your own mind and say, listen. Train up the child in the way they should go, man. Don't just have babies. They broke down the altars of the Baals in his presence and the incense altars which were above them, he cut down. And the, and the wooden images, the carved images. Look at it, you went to all four places. An altar is in a high place. It's this idea. You went up to the high places. And then you must go to the identity. Broke it down, the wooden images, the carved images, the molded images. He broke in pieces and made dust of them. And scattered it, what? On the graves of those who had sacrificed them. He went back to the people that had died. And he said, all this carved image rubbish, I'm showing you now, I'm tearing up the history of this altar. And scattered the sacrifices they made there on, the, on, on their graves. He also burned the bones of the priests on their altars. And Judah cleansed Judah and Jerusalem. All four. All four. All four. Number one is the idea. The idea that that man had, Jeroboam, that king, was not God's idea to worship you, to come to you, to give this place of convenience, just an online transfer. No, no, the Bible says do not forsake the gathering of the saints. There's a structure here. There's a place you come to. You bring your tithes, your offerings, you come and you serve and you you, you take care of the altar because it's the power of the altar that brings the change for you in the kingdom. Gets you to think like a king. 
So number one is the idea. It's a high places. So when people speak about altars, listen to me. Please hear me. You do not ever, ever have to go to someone's grave again. You can bring honor where honor is due. And you can clean up. I see, you know, Gaten telling people to clean up the graves and so on. That's just a, a human thing to do, is to, to clean your community. And to be honorable. That's, that's good. But to go and pay homage and to say that you must give me help and strength, to, you know, what, whose idea was that? But you're supporting it because everybody else does it. You're not a king, man. You're a child. I said no to many things. I, my family got mad at me for many things. Now they're asking for kingdom help. Because I refused to worship at their altars. And refused to do what they wanted me to do. Whose idea are you following after? Whose idea are you exalting? Now listen to what I'm saying to you. When you speak about high things or exalted places, we're talking about not something outside of you. We're talking about the thing that's between your two ears. It's in your head. You've made the devil bigger. You've made the altar of your grandparents bigger. You made the sacrifices and our lineage comes from. You made it bigger in you. And how many levels must you go back before you can deal with all the poverty? That's why we, we don't have the money. The devil is a liar. Let me tell you why. Because that idea doesn't come from the word of God. And there's no scripture to back that idea. That you must go to a grave to go and fix things and make things right. It isn't in the Bible. The fathers have eaten sour grapes and have set the children's teeth on edge. But this problem will no longer be spoken over Israel, over you. It can't be. I'm a king. I can start something new in my generation. I can, when I raise an altar, I can do it God's way. I don't have to follow what people have done. I can go after God. Come on, with all of my heart. It's a high place. It's not outside. It's in you. Look at your neighbor and say, I see you built the tower and it's all in your head. It's a lie. <laughs> Whose idea was that? You weren't supposed to walk into those doors you're broke or depressed or feeling like a, a failure and go out the same because I, you got sisters. Are you mad? You must come in here. Expect the chains to break. There must be an exchange here. Break that yoke. I'm walking differently. Desire, where are you? Number two is identity. False images, identity, self-images, molded stuff. It might not be physical. I told you about my high place. It's gambling. I had to bring that thing down and said, I'll be a tither. I'm going to sow. I'm going to build my life on kingdom principles and values. And I did. And look what the Lord has done. Because the image you follow, you conform to. Your image is, as a son of God, righteousness. Quick scripture. Colossians chapter 1 verse 13. Oh, let's build that platform so I can have more time to preach. Colossians chapter 1 verse 13, quickly. 
Thank you guys for that scripture. Come on, you read with me. Because I want to build faith inside of you to know that you never ever have to go back ever again to a grave or to go and deal with some altar. That thing is in your head. You don't have a kingly anointing. You're not thinking like a king's kid. Because the altar that you really attend is creating your belief system. And if you get your believing wrong, your life turns out wrong. He made you to rule, to have dominion somewhere in the earth. You weren't just born again to be saved and, and go to heaven. You were supposed to be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, and have dominion. But you were supposed to come back to the altar to honor God because He gave you victory. Teach your children to honor you. If you tell them to honor you, you've taught them enough. He has. Come on, you read with me. He has. Somebody say he has. Somebody say he has. There is no altar that has been raised up right now that is strong enough to keep you from fulfilling your destiny. Not your mother's grandfather's, not, not, not Ammon, not his grandfather. No, no, no altar could keep this boy from ruling and reigning as a king. I don't care your history. Your history comes from your father. And when he gave you his son, he has delivered us. Read with me. From the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the son of his love come on read with me keep reading keep reading in whom we have redemption through his blood the forgiveness of sins come on keep reading he is the image he is the image of the invisible god the firstborn over all creation for, come on, keep reading with me. For by Him, uh, all things were created that are in heaven uh, and that are on earth, uh, visible and invisible, uh, whether thrones uh, or dominions uh, or principalities uh, or powers. Uh, all things were created through Him uh, and for Him. Keep on going. And He is before the altars that was raised against you is before that and in him all things consist keep going and he is the head of the body the church who is the beginning the firstborn from the dead that in all things he may have the preeminence come on keep going for it pleased the Father that in Him all the fullness should dwell. Keep going. And by Him to reconcile all things to Himself. By Him, whether things on earth, come on somebody, or things in heaven, having made peace through the blood of His cross. And you, somebody look at your neighbor point and say, you, you were once alienated and you were an enemy in your mind in your mind the enemy is in your mind the enemy is in your mind the enemy is in your mind by wicked works yet now he has reconciled in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and blameless and above reproach in his sight ha 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 if indeed if you continue in the faith Grounded and steadfast and are not moved away 
from the hope of the gospel which you've heard, which was preached to every creature under heaven, of which I, Paul, became a minister. Give you final scripture. Then we go. Then we're out of here. Colossians, go to chapter 2. Give me verse 11. Keep reading. You were supposed to get your belief system sorted at the altar. Are we fixing it? When you help me and you agree, if two shall agree on earth as touching anything, where two or three are gathered, there he is. In our midst, we're releasing the Spirit of God in this place. Come on, read with me. In him, you were also circumcised with a circumcision made without hands by putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. Buried with him in baptism. Come on, somebody. In which you also were raised. You are raised in the spiritual realm. Come on, with him through faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead. And you being dead in your trespasses and this uncircumcision of your flesh is made alive together with him having forgiven you some of your trespasses uh, just some of the you know not, not the really bad one say everybody shout all say I am forgiven there is no altar of your past that can hold you from your future keep on going Having, oh Jesus, wiped out the handwriting of requirements. Now he's talking about the lawyer. The law was the one that was written and written to expose your sin. That's what the law was given for. But imagine that a great grandfather of yours, 360 years ago, wrote some stuff in the belief system of an altar and said based upon my lineage everybody that comes from me they will be broke they will be greedy they'll be whoremongers they will be drunkards they'll be gamblers and he raised that altar 360 years ago would, would you know about it? he stood one day and he made a vow raised an altar and you never once went and addressed that thing. Cursed that altar. You didn't have to. Because when you understand Jesus, read with me. Whatever has been written about you that's against your future, every curse spoken about you said you'll be useless, never going to make it, Never gonna, you're gonna die in your sins, you're gonna die of mental illnesses, all handwriting requirements. It was nailed to the cross, having wiped out the handwriting of requirements that was against us, which was contrary to us, and he has taken it out of the way. Please hear me. There is no grave, there is no altar that's raised that's standing before you and your destiny in the kingdom. He took it out of the way. Having nailed it to the cross. Am I done? Having ooh, disarmed principalities and powers. 
Let me tell you about it. He made a public spectacle of them. Let me, let me tell you what it looks like. You know, let me give you one example. There's a woman I worked with for many, many years as a pastor. And this woman lived, she, she was married to a man, and there's plenty of mistakes and things that came out of it, and so I don't begin to all that. But they got divorced. But this man, while he was not married to her, held her in bondage and tormented her by never having a conversation with her. Everything in her, the high thing in her mind, she, she would not move. She allowed people to abuse her and people to use her. And she, would, she didn't have identity because based upon her history, her history had power over her destiny. She came here. Some time back, her husband died. And she was free. She sat and watched the funeral online. And every fear about her ever moving forward was removed out of the way. When you see somebody pass away, the fear that you had over that person also passes away. When you understand Jesus and what he did with Satan and made a public spectacle, a parade, he stripped him of everything. That's what they did in wars. You are the captain of this, of this kingdom. Come in, I want to show you. We don't, we don't kill you. The best thing is we don't kill you. The best thing is we strip you. And then we make you naked. And we let you come and walk in front of the people and expose you and let the people know that you are disarmed. Some of you have never experienced the parade of Jesus over Satan and all of his works. You don't understand the power of what the cross has done. Everybody shout amen in this church. That's why you still give him so much. He's disarmed. He, he disarmed principalities and powers. He made a public spectacle. He walked down in hell and said, you see, this is your boss. Naked. Useless. And then he comes, he takes all the keys of death and hell in the grave. And he says, let me tell you, the standard I'm raising, it's called the church. The keys is yours. Take care of business. I'm going back. What's the church doing with the keys? Huh? Letting the devil run and rule your life. Where did he get so much power? In your head. Let's keep reading. You're almost there. Look at your neighbor. So let no one judge you in food or in drink or regarding a certain festival. Why didn't you do this at the festival? You know that every time this time of the year, we know we all only eat that or we only go that. Who, who's judging you around festivals based upon a religious mindset? Oh, new moon. Oh, it's a new moon. My father used to turn money and teach us, looking at the moon. 
raised an altar. He repented of all that. Before he died, he had five years of really serving God, which was amazing. But I learned a whole bunch of things from him. That were altars were raised. And those spirits were invited. The idea was money. And, and we need to get, and his identity was like, you know, you can speak to the spiritual world and you can do the kind of stuff I've been doing. Not only that, my wife, my wife was Muslim. Remember the kind of altars we have in place. He says, go back. Please go back. A festival or new moon or Sabbaths. You're like, there's a woman that came here with a, for change students and said, can my child, he wants to be a part of a program, but he, doesn't, he can't work on a, on, a, on a Saturday. I'm like, we set up on a Saturday. I, I, no, no, but he serves. The, and I, of course, you know who those kind of people are. You know what the idea is. And people put a pressure on you and say, you can't have your breakthrough because of. It was removed out of the way. Let no one judge you in food or drink or regarding festivals, new moon or Sabbaths. Sabbaths, 17, next verse. Come guys, move on. Which are a shadow of things to come, but the substance is of Christ. Okay. Let no one cheat you of your reward, taking delight in false humility and worship of angels and altars and blah, 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 and where you must go to. Okay. Jesus took the curse. He nailed all of this to the cross. I need to end. I, I'm, I really need to end. Let me, just, let me just tell you how the story ends. And Brian, you can take from here. We receive an offering. Brian, can you can lead people to the Lord. Revelation chapter 11, verse 15. Don't believe the lie, man. That the enemy is doing greater. Like God and his kingdom is not at work. This is how the story ends. Everybody else's idea is going to be burnt to ashes. And those who served at him, all kinds of history, they're going to be destroyed. For you, at the altar, Father, Son, Holy Ghost, worshipping, serving, giving offerings, believing, getting your belief system right, then taking your rightful place in his kingdom, somewhere in the earth with your gift. And act like a king, not a, not a child anymore. At the end, when all of this comes to a close, read it. Then the seventh angel sounded, and there were loud voices in heaven saying, The kingdoms of this world have become the kingdoms of our Lord and His Christ, and He shall reign forever. Now stand to your feet and give Jesus the highest praise in this place in Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. I believe in the Holy Spirit. How God is being one. I believe in the resurrection that He will rise again.
every head bowed and eye closed in the sanctuary this morning you can change your identity this morning you can change your history this morning by receiving Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior by receiving the Son of God into your life this morning if you don't know Jesus as your Lord and personal Savior if you've never made that commitment to God I want to pray for you this morning every head bowed and every eye closed saints praying in this house if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior or you once said the prayer but you say, I'm so far away from Him. Don't run away from Him. Run to Him. The Bible says, if you draw near to Him, He will draw near to you this morning. If that's if you don't know Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior, or you need to make a recommitment to Christ, both here and online, every head bowed and every eye closed in this place. If that's you, I want to pray for you this morning. Just lift your hand high. Change your identity and change your history this morning. Just lift your hand high. Dear Master, if you're online, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Let's pray together and say, Dear Lord Jesus, I believe with all my heart that you are the Son of God, that you came down from heaven, died on the cross. Three days later, you rose again so that I can have life. Jesus, come into my heart. Cleanse me of my sin. I receive my new identity in you. And my history is wiped away in the Father. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. Amen and amen. Hallelujah. Come on. Come on. Our history has changed. We have a new identity in Christ. Amen. We have a new idea in the kingdom of God, which is more powerful than any other power in the earth. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Keep that excitement. Keep that joy. Because it's time to bring your tithes and offerings into the storehouse. It's time to exchange this morning. Amen. It's time for a divine exchange. As you sow into the kingdom of God, as you bring your tithe and your offering as an act of worship, there's an exchange that takes place in this place that you're unable, where you are unable to produce you are now able to produce. Amen. God is giving you the power to get wealth this morning as you sow and as you bring your tithes and your offerings into the stores. Keep your tithes and your offering in your hand this morning. Father, we thank you for the altar that you've raised, for the opportunity that we have, Father God, for the word that you've delivered into our midst this morning. Thank you that there's a divine exchange taking place today. There's elevation taking place today. Because we are rooted and founded in your kingdom and in your son. As we sow and as we bring our tithes into the offering, into the storehouse this morning, we decree and declare that a divine exchange takes place and we receive the power to get wealth in Jesus' name. We all agree and say, Amen and Amen. You may be seated.
I am speaking to every Josiah in this place that is willing to change their destiny by dealing with their history. There's a young boy, young girl in this place that understands I'm willing to walk away from every kind of incense, burning, candle, lighting, every kind of demonic thing that has a form of godliness but no power and reshape this generation. Listen to me. Whatever's been happening around this altar this season is because of the fight this generation is in and you must take it seriously. I pray for everybody online. Please don't get an issue with your finances and it must restructure even your finances. An altar does that. Your time, your money, your thinking it restructures everything. It restructures everything. Reorder your life. Somebody stand. Everybody stand to your feet. I'm asking for the release today that God would come and speak to a young man, young boy, anybody in this place, girl, that would seek God with all of their heart and say, God, I'm going to go your way. Lift your hands and lift them high and be the one. That God, you can, that if you do it at this altar this morning and you're lifting your hands, you are, you're inviting the Holy Spirit to come and restructure your life and your time and your gifting. And so God can reposition you for His kingdom and for His glory. For anybody that wants their future changed. It's not through education, it's at the altar. Father, I pray a blessing upon your people that they will walk in the favor that you would visit everyone here, that the Spirit of the Lord will bring liberty and freedom so that somebody can fulfill their kingdom assignment in the earth. It is why I was born. It's my purpose in life is to help somebody fulfill their purpose in the earth. I call in the preachers that should be preaching at this altar. I call in the apostles that should be around this altar. I call in the prophets that should be serving the altar. I call in the pastors. I call in the evangelists. I call in the business people that's going to do it God's way. I'm calling for the media. I'm calling for arts, the education, the government. I'm calling for parents the family model to raise up your children in the way they should go for the glory of God in Jesus mighty name and everybody said amen and amen we love you God bless you amen and amen